afternoon or evening when you're listening, but <laughs> it's afternoon for us, so happy afternoon. Yay. I'm Troy Patterson, and with me, as always, the one who makes the show really go. There's Post. No, 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 no about that. Sean McCurr, he's the one who makes the show really go, so, so since you make the show really go, let's get going. Did you hear about the advanced society that figured out how to package knowledge in pill form? I didn't. I wish I had earlier. <laughs> a student needed some learning, just goes to the pharmacy and asks for, you know, what kind of pills are available. Pharmacist says, here's a pill for English literature. Okay. Student takes the pill, swallows it. He has all kinds of new knowledge about English literature. He's thinking, this is great. So what else do you have? Well, I've got I've got some pills for art, art history, biology, world history. Student taking pop up, gulp, 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 gulp. Wow, this is fantastic! So you, got, you got anything for math? Pharmacist says, just wait, just a minute. Goes in the back storeroom, walks out carrying this huge pill, plunks it down on the counter. Student looks at him and says, I have to take that huge pill for math? Pharmacist looks at him and says, Well, you know, math always was a little hard to swallow. No. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Mm. <laughs> um, hey, just a, a few facts and figures because I know how much you love math. Uh-huh. Yes. Here we go. In his day, Michael Jordan made over $300,000 a game. If a game's 30 minutes, that's $10,000 a minute. He also made $40,000 million, 40, $40 million in endorsements, which means he made $178,100 a day, working or not. Um, if he slept seven hours a night, he made $52,000 every night while visions of sugar plums danced in his head. If he went to see a movie, it may have cost him 20 bucks, but he made $18,550 while he was there. If he decided to have a five-minute egg, he would have made $618 while boiling it. <laughs> He made $7,415 per hour more than minimum wage. If he decided to watch an episode of Friends, always a popular show, he would have made $3,710 while watching each episode. If someone were to hand him his salary and endorsement money, they would have had to do it at a rate of $2 every second. Maybe that's why there's no $2 bills left. Boom, 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 boom. There <laughs> you go, here you go, here you go. He likes to play golf, you know. Nice round of golf. Cost him $200. You know, I don't play those kind of places, but he can afford to. So $200 for a nice round of golf. But during that round, he would have made 
Assuming that he puts the federal maximum of 15% of his income into a tax-deferred account, he's a smart guy, you know, put your money away, he would have hit the federal cap at 8.30 a.m. on January 1st. Wow. <laughs> um, the federal cap is 9500 by the way. Um, if he were to if if you were given a penny for every ten dollars he made, sixty five thousand dollars a year. Wow, could live pretty comfortably on that. Yeah. Um, he would have made twenty nineteen dollars and sixty cents while watching the hundred meter dash in the Olympics. And <laughs> that's supposed to be the world's fastest man or you know person. Yep. And um, during the Boston Marathon, fifteen thousand six hundred. While the common person was spending about twenty dollars uh, for a meal in his trendy Chicago restaurant, he will have pulled in about fifty six hundred dollars. In his last year, he made more than twice as much as all of the U.S. past presidents for all of their terms combined. Pretty impressive stuff, eh? Mm -hmm. However, if he had saved 100% of his income for the next 250 years, he'd still have less than Bill Gates had right then. Okay, um, on our mind this week, we have iTunes feedback. Yay! We're looking for some iTunes feedback. We're begging for some iTunes feedback. (laughs) Please don't make us get down on our knees for iTunes feedback. There's a link on the website, um, which we should open up iTunes, and we would really, really, really appreciate some comments or at least a rating. Mm -hmm. Our preferences for five stars, but uh, hey, you know. Take what we can get. That's right. So please do us a little favor. We don't we we don't ask for money. <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, <laughs> but if you could head over to iTunes and give us a review, we'd appreciate it. it uh, it's what kind of helps us stay in the top twenty because we were been in the top twenty last time I looked. Well, we are we are in the top four featured yep. K twelve, yep. and um, I don't know. It, it varies so much with the whole entire education um, top, you know, whatever, top 100. We're usually within the top 100 somewhere, but, yeah. I mean, we've been as high as 13 and as low as 60 or 70. And, and, and to be honest, in, in, when it varies so much, there's only one thing I, I want out of that list, and that is to be at least one spot ahead of NMSA's <laughs> That's all. That's, 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 right. that's all I want. That's right. And we have been. Thanks to you. Mm-hmm. And um, you could do that. While you were waiting for Twitter to refresh, good. You good because there's a, and you know what Twitter will refresh a lot. There's a lot going on this week. Um, will Richardson, um, Will Rich forty five, has a, a thing on uh, quality of questions on common tests at issue. Uh, we get the assessments we can pay for. <gasps> I think that's yours actually. <laughs> no, I was having a good time listening to you going. Yeah, I was going to say, go Sean, and then eventually tell us why you put that here. Go Sean, the. The interesting thing about it um, is that 
this is from Education Week, so this actually could have, there's a couple of these that I've put in here. It actually could be web spotlights. Um, but it's interesting that they're looking at, um, from the U.S. Department of Education, um, that it would support common assessments that would promote those made, that made greater use of open-ended items capable of measuring higher order critical thinking skills. However, <laughs> um, what they're essentially saying is that uh, yeah, they kind of cost too much money. So um, they're looking at, you know, it says the reality is that it does cost more to base a system on open-ended questions, no question about it. Um, and basically they're saying that uh, it's going to be multiple choice questions. But it's a it's an interesting read, um, and Will Richardson does uh, a lot of this. Uh, you know, he does very active in web stuff, so he keeps up on what's going on too. He's got uh, a good blog as well; it's worth mm-hmm. looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Tom Peters, this is that one that's on my uh, PLN list, my personal PLN list. Tom Peters. Um. Oh. <laughs> this is uh, I thought this was interesting as a different point of view Tom Peters uh, posted do one thing and this is a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt do one thing every day that scares you I just thought it was an interesting kind of thought thing just you know what is it that there's things that scare us that we know we should do, but, you know, it's, it's all about stretching outside your boundaries, too. I was going to say, you tie that in with something that Debbie Silver talked about uh, in our interview with her um, oh, a little over a year ago about, you know, grabbing one differentiated instruction strategy and trying it. Some folks are, that's that's a scary prospect, and this could be you're doing one scary thing every day, yeah. trying a different yep. instruction strategy, learning to... to turn loose some of the control to the kids and letting them explore with the curriculum. And we should we should read about that today. We should read about what today? Because I hear this an excellent, excellent discussion on merit pay and race to nowhere or race to the top um, by, by read today. It was, uh, it was posted to the uh, hashtag EdChat on uh, Twitter. Yeah, and you know, EdChat, uh, and I want to take this just uh, a quick second to say that um, EdChat is uh, one of those things that you can follow through Twitter, which mm-hmm. does have, it's kind of the the coming and going um, of what's going, you know, Topics in education, so it's kind of like the current events of top of of education. So if you follow that one, you'll get lots of information because it's very very active as well. So, all right, but um, let's. I'll just go through a couple of issues that they talk about. This is an, an interesting article. Um, they talk about the overtesting of students beginning as early as third grade, misuse of single imperfect high test standardized test, um, the expansion of charters that divert resources from urban and rural public schools charged with educating most challenged um, children, stripping away of art, music, critical thinking, creativity, experiential learning trips. And play periods of joy itself. Um, 
so that schools become more effective test preparation centers. Um, use of curriculum frameworks and national standards to narrow and standardize our schools that uh, an effort that only encourages increasing numbers of affluent middle-class parents to seek out out for their children the same private schools that so many, quote, reformers have already chosen for theirs. Uh, cynical insistence that all schools be equal in a society whose social and economic policies make us increasingly unequal. Merit pay promosal, proposals that deny and undermine the essentially collaborative nature of teaching. Um, and the sustained media vilification of hardworking, dedicated public school teachers. So, um, and there's lots of, um, lots of discussion after the fact, some of which disagrees with, uh, um, the, the letter and some of it which disagrees with the letter. Hmm. So, interesting. a little bit of liveliness there. Yeah. Take a look at that. Now, I noticed that the next one is McLeod. Is that Mark McLeod, Scott McLeod? Which McLeod? Because you've talked about hearing uh, a McLeod at NMSA. Is this someone yes. you're following in, on Twitter? No, actually, um, my, this is Scott McLeod. And Scott McLeod is another one. And, and I found out that Scott McLeod almost came to Eastern Michigan. Really? Um, and he is a few years ago, I guess. Uh, he, it was, uh, he was, you know... One of those possibilities, and I think he does just some phenomenal stuff. He did a presentation to the NEA that I thought was top notch. He's also the one of the co-creators of Did You Know? Shift Happens. Oh, okay. Um, so he he and he posts lots of interesting things, um, and this is the bumpy road to student-centered instruction. So. Um, and goes through um, shock, denial, strong emotion, resistance, withdrawal, surrender and acceptance, struggle and expiration, return of confidence and integration and success. Um, so, and he posts a lot of really good stuff. Um, he's a good person to follow as well. And he has a, a nice blog that has lots of good stuff on it. So, um, I would suggest taking a look at that as well. Um, are we back to you yet? Oh, no, the next one is, um, if you haven't seen Khan, uh, Khan Academy, and we talked about Khan Academy a long time ago, um, but somebody else brought it up, and they have a lot of math videos, um, so you can check that out, too. Um, oh, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, it was, it's been a long time since we talked about that one, but, um, you know, I just, again, I thought that would be interesting. Um, and then, um, PLNs, cause these folks are in our PLN. They are. And this goes back to David Warlick and, um, he has a continuing question for me applying, applying a PLN. Um, and he's, he takes some interesting perspective on things. And I think he is, uh, a really good, uh, good resource because, you know, he's, he talks about the issues and battles through the issues that we all deal with of, 
you know, doubt and seeing barriers and what do we really need to do and who gets it and who doesn't get it. So um, there's a quick link to that over there. Um, and he really talks about doing a, about a, a presentation and having dinner and, and um, he did a keynote and it was well received and I, I really liked this part. All was well until I spent 45 minutes of casual conversation with some of the district administrators. <laughs> First of all, being a, ca a conversational session, I expected to extract answers from the audience going for conversation rather than Q&A. And it always makes me uncomfortable not being the source of all answers, I admit it. Then someone asked how to get teachers on board with transforming their learning environments, and all eyes were on me. I launched into my position that although formal professional development and opportunities are important, we will not be able to just workshop teachers into the 21st century. And this is one of the crucial points, I think, um, that he talks about, is that y you it needs to become something that people are doing because it's a way of life. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple other things. I think he, it might have been, it might have been another post that he had about kids don't have a choice about whether they're going to be using 21st century tools or not. And there was another post about, or someone had mentioned, you know, we're 10 years into the 21st century. We are a decade into the 21st century, and we're still talking about maybe thinking about kind of considering teaching kids 21st century skills. <laughs> we're a decade into the century. When do we start doing that? And so, um, so anyway, just to continue on a little bit with with his uh, write-up is, um, he touched on personal learning networks, trying not to give away too much since that was the presentation I'd be doing after lunch. Um, and he went through blog entries, starting with four or five teachers, introducing them at ready points, progression of, uh, of web 2.0 tools, um, and then getting them to blog about their daily experiences. Um, heads were shaking almost immediately. These were administrators who were there because they chose to spend their Saturday with other educators exploring technology. So they were not looking for excuses, which is often the case. They saw real barriers that I was suge suggesting, which was particularly disconcerting since I'm just starting that chapter in my current book, Project NPLNs. Um, so... He, he goes through, you know, um, why it is that um, there's so much resistance and um, how it is that we can do things and his concerns about that. So you can check that out. Cool. All right. Um, oh, one more is mine. <laughs> okay. Doggone it. I thought I was done. I um, this one I think is really is really good, and I just have to refer people to it. It is what every teacher needs to know about Google. Mm. Um, and this is really nice. They talk about Google Docs, which you and I are familiar with. Mm -hmm. They talk about Google Groups. They mm. talk about uh, um, Google Earth, uh, cross-curricular activities using Google Earth, um, Google Earth 
uh, Google search trip, <laughs> search trips, search tricks. Um, and I'm chuckling because the the first one is blocked website. Get around to blocked website. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then just a couple of quick searches, search tips uh, about using definitions, um, timeline search. They don't talk about calculator, which you can do math, basic math functions right there in Google and some of that. But there's there's just some search tips that are, I think are pretty cool. I'm going to be checking out the one about how to get around the blocked websites. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's what we need to do. I think I can use that one. And then um, – Let's see now. Uh, Russ Santry? Russ Santry? No, that was Russ Santry. Um, Edutorial? Um, posted a link to classtools.net, which we have talked about before, but mm-hmm. thought it would be just a quick one to bring that back into. People haven't heard about that one um, because it allows you to make an online game more relevant for your students using classtools.net. So, you know, as a teacher, sometimes I need to be motivated and I don't mean like with the stick. I mean, sometimes like with the carrot. Yes, you do. This one is for the principals out there. This is from education world and it's from the principal files and it's 25 ways to motivate teachers. And I'll let people take a look at that. Um, I will tell you this much food is frequently involved. Um, you know, one of those things. Um, and then, um, sticky notes, um, cards, mailboxes, you know, cards thrown in mailboxes and, um, just some great things. Um, you know, organizing fall, small, full, small fundraising. I can't talk today. This is a great day to do a podcast. Organize f- small fundraising activities to raise money for all staff holiday or end of the year banquet. Um, you know, um, you know, just some ideas for, uh, principals to provide some fun and frivolity and some opportunities for teachers, which I think is important. I hear, um, NMSA also thinks some things are important. They are. As a matter of fact, uh, proposals, uh, the opportunity to propose a session at NMSA has been extended into February. And I remember hearing when I was at the conference uh, this past year, some folks saying, uh, you know, oh, I mean, who evaluates these? Maybe they don't get evaluated at all, that they just, you know, whatever it gets proposed gets accepted into the the conference. And you and I both know that that doesn't happen. (laughs) Having been been rejected many times. We've received our, our share of rejection letters, but uh, um, Jeff LaRue, I heard him talk about one time about the different steps that uh, NMSA goes through to evaluate the sessions and how they pick, how they filter to pick the best ones. Well, here's an opportunity for you to get involved with that. NMSA is seeking 12 to 15 members with an interest in reviewing session proposals for its annual, upcoming annual conference. There is a rubric, there is a. there are evaluation standards, and they need folks to come and help out. And this would be a great way for you to see how the process works. It would also be a great way for you to see the, you know, how to get the inside track and making your proposal shine and, and get uh, noticed by folks who choose the session proposals. Uh, this, this is a great opportunity. Um, I don't believe you have to go to headquarters to, to, uh, to do this. You could probably do this from the comfort of your 
computer room in your computer. Um, but I, you know, I, I would I, I would suggest that people do that, especially the ones who say, "Hey, you know who picks these?" Well, it could be you. Uh, also from NSA, it's not too late to submit a, a presentation. Uh, deadline is January 31st, but um, I seem to recall somewhere that they're extending it. So let me double check that one. Web 2.0 Classroom, free technology for teachers, seven places to find free ebooks. So always looking for books for your classroom. Um, there you go, right there. Netbook News, uh, there's a video of a sharper image LCD projector for only $149. Pretty good image. Uh, it's a, it's a, a YouTube-type video, so it may not be able to be seen at work. So you may have to view it at home. It's kind of neat to look at. Um, things are getting smaller. Things are getting more handy. Imagine hooking up your iPhone to this video projector and shooting something, you know, on the fly when you need to shoot it to your kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Uh, chicken salt ash. Uh, all we need is radio salt ash. Doing a radio show in your lessons, and there's a lesson plan and a way to do it, and all the process for creating a radio show, having your kids create a radio show. And I'm thinking if you're teaching like a current events class, which you have to pull out of your hat every day or so, um, this might be a great way to develop a differentiated kind of assessment for like a, a current events class. Mm-hmm. So Cool. And that's from the Twitterverse. All right. So this week for advisory... We have, what do we have? We have um, changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this I thought was the, the, kick, the little tagline for them is connecting the people that help the world to the people that help them. And the reason I popped this one in for the um, advisory is because I went there and check it out and see what it was like. And they have a bunch of stories that you can um, that you can start with. So you you go there and you can click on. They have today's featured change agents, um, and one of them that they had is it was called Atlas and Jason Capriani, Teen Wilderness. And I thought it was an opportunity to talk to kids about how you make a difference, who makes a difference. Um, the video that they do is definitely not what you would see on, say, um, you know, National Geographic's wildlife. It has not nearly the polish. Um, it doesn't have the production value. But it is interesting because it's a teenager who's out there trying to make a change. So it's a chance to talk to the kids about making a change and and what it is that people who want to make a change do and how it is that they do it. And there's just a bunch of stories there that you can take a look at um, and, you know, kind of decide, you know, have your kids talk about it as well. Cool. So uh, I just thought it was a neat resource. You ever, you ever tried multitasking? I, as a principal, you probably multitask quite well. You, you, and a you, lot. you know that you and I have had this conversation previously, and there is no such thing as multitasking. Yeah, there is doing things. frequently. It's frequently switching what your task, which task you're doing. Well, and man. yes, as a principal, you do that constantly, <laughs> and so do you as a teacher. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I, well, here's I, how about we, if we test it? If we found a way to test it, okay. 
Okay. I'm ready. A website called Multitask. You can go over and click on Multitask. I got a link there in the show notes. You go ahead and go out. Now, don't go too long because I'm going to spend just a few moments talking about this. But um, Multitask is a website uh, that uh, does exactly what it says. Uh, this is a chance for you to figure out how well you do multitask. It challenges you to play multiple games to test your multitasking ability. It starts you off on one game, and as you play it, it introduces a second game. So now you're playing two games at the same time. And then it introduces another game, and it keeps introducing them until you make one error in any of the games that you're playing. And when you do that, well, then you lose, and it evaluates you and gives you a, a score of some sort and a little way to tell you how well you're multitasking or how poorly you're multitasking or if it's not really multitasking it's just changing your locus of focus there's a rhyme for you um as fast as you can he's doing pretty well look at that makes his eyes turning back and forth <laughs> there's that twitch coming back right and you know well, maybe it's just your nose okay. oh <laughs> <laughs> oh i see wait a minute I oh, lose. and if you're doing this in a computer lab with your kids have them turn down the sound because there's there's a, a bunch of music that comes up at the very beginning of the uh, the thing and it tends to. I found it annoying after a few moments, but maybe that's just me. Of course, I was trying. I was multitasking. I was trying to put show notes together and do some other things. <laughs> so, so. Yeah. And now I'm on game three. <laughs> hey, that's great. Touch the squares before I, before any of them disappear. I'm around W W A S D. Okay. Oh, Touch the squares. Oh, wait. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait! <laughs> <laughs> oh. And I'm lo- I lost. How many games did you get? Three. Three? Well, it's not bad, I guess. So, so you can what, focus on three things? Does it count that I was paying attention to you, too? <laughs> okay, four. Four. <laughs> three and a half. Well, and you're trying to describe what you're doing, too. So let's say five. Five! <laughs> five beautiful games! Five, five, five. So, uh, it'll, it'll, you know, show your kids exactly how well they focus. And, of course, middle schoolers, that should be a stitch just for you to watch. Yeah. Okay, I'm back now, though. Okay. Um, which is, it's me next, isn't it? Um, Sweet Search. One of the things that... You know, we frequently talk about is having kids search, and there is a search engine called Sweet Search, which instead of searching the entire web, they've kind of taken a look at um, some different different websites that they've kind of pre-approved. And um, what I did is uh, I just put in the word octopus. Because, you know, if you search Google, about the sixth or seventh result is the Pacific Northwest tree octopus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just put an octopus. The results were okay. I didn't think they were terrific. Um, I think, you know, and they also have a different categories. So they have, like, uh, several different links for um, for teachers or students that um, like for middle school students, they have it broken out into English, math, social studies, geography, web research, science, um, lots of English stuff, learning German, learning Latin. Um, And in each one of those areas has four or five web links with it. Honestly, 
I would set, I would set up a Google custom search engine where I went to several sites that I knew where I want the kids to go and we were okay and I would do that before this. But okay. it's another resource for people, so you can check that out if you want. And that's over at sweetsearch.com. Um, a couple of web tools this week. Um, I have two online whiteboards for you. Um, what this, what these do is they allow you to... Uh, they're an online whiteboard. I mean, it's pretty much that simple. Where multiple people can um, share and um, both draw on the whiteboard at the same time, even if you're not in the same place. One is called Dabbleboard. Um, very easy to use. Um, very intuitive. You just click and you can just draw. You can just basically draw the kind of shape that you want, and it will make it the right shape. You know, like if you draw a basic circle, it doesn't have to be a perfect circle. It'll just go, oh, that's a circle, and make the circle. Um, another one is um, CoSketch, and CoSketch is a multi-user online whiteboard designed to give you the ability to quickly visualize and share your ideas. They use more of a toolbar kind of analogy where you pick the different tools off the toolbar and draw with them, which is cool. The neat thing about CoSketch is there is no sign-up. You can just use it. You don't have to register for anything. Um, Yeah, it runs in all common browsers without plugins or installation, and it has Google Maps support. So if you want to put a Google Map in there and draw lines, you know, to get to here and here, you can do that as well. Um, And then there's embed codes, and um, pretty cool. So you can check that out. Dabbleboard has a free component and a paid component. Um, CoSketch is just free, so can check those two out, those, those things out for you. Google. Yeah. Google has some uh, online uh, tools and tricks to save you time in school. Uh, this is posted. Uh, well, this didn't come from, uh, this came from StumbleUpon, actually. And so you'll see that in the link uh, when you click on it on the website. But there's a whole bunch of different tricks that will save you time in school, but also save you as a, time as a teacher putting things together. Uh, things like search tricks, uh, converting units, timeline search, using the tilde to, to bring you results with related search items, uh, searching for sp- specific types of files, uh, calculating with Google, um, finding a term within a URL itself. Uh, Google's stuff that's specifically for education, things like Google Scholar, which just does uh, scholarly literature, peer-reviewed papers, themes, and academic publishers. Uh, the Earth's Sky feature, which you can look at the nice sky from your computer when you use that feature. Um, custom search engine uh, that Troy just talked about. Google Code University. Visit the Google site to have access to Creative Commons licensed content to help you learn more about computer science. Um, finding out what experts have to say. Google Docs, of course, we talked about in the past. Uh, creating uh, graphs from spreadsheets, adding video to presentations, creating online service for research projects, which is actually kind of a cool thing you do with your students as well. Uh, Gmail, of course, which is extremely handy, especially with the, number, the amount of space that they give you for your Gmail account, but the uh, waiting for a response label, um, using keyboard sh- uh, shortcuts um, to make things uh, go a little faster. Uh, there's the Google, Google Calendar, which of course ISTE uses to publish their calendar within Second Life, and as well as on the website. Uh, Google Mobile, which um, I 
don't have a lot of uh, practice with, but synchronizing calendars, for example, of finding friends, accessing iGoogle, which is the fancy version of their desktop uh, or uh, homepage, I should say. Uh, of course, there's Google Chrome and uh, books and handy services as well. Yeah, and um, I actually use Google's calendar for – I've created a work account for Google. Mm-hmm. And because it's so much easier, I just create the calendar through Google and just have use the embed code to embed it on our website. So I just have to go to the Google Calendar, make a change, and automatically shows up on our website. So we have an interactive calendar where um, students, parents can look at it by day, week. They can look at a list, an agenda list. They can print that out. If anything changes, I just change on the website, and it's all dynamic and just really easy to use, and I like it a lot. So, um, yeah, you can uh, – I'm a big believer in that one. I use that uh, just about every day. Um, And then you can subscribe to that calendar very easily if you want to. So teachers are allowed to subscribe to it, and in it comes. Well, they would be allowed to subscribe to it if we weren't using Outlook 2003, which doesn't allow you to subscribe to anything. But someday they'll be able to subscribe to it. They They can go look at the web page. So, but yeah, that's very powerful. So some neat tools there, a um, mm-hmm. hundred of them. Um, also about, you know, they have a section on Google books, which might uh, fit in with uh, something you're doing with your, Google's been doing, taking in uh, transcribing, I shouldn't say trans, scanning um, books, huge giant libraries and just creating this huge online library thing. The uh, University of Michigan is one of those libraries that's participating in that. Mm-hmm. Grand adventure. Matter of fact, I think they just settled their uh, copyright issues. They say there's been some fits and starts with that, though, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure where they are in that process right now. So. We've talked about um, race to the top, mm-hmm. and we've talked about it a couple of times. And you know, last week we had we talked about some of the concerns with race to the top. So I thought this week we would I would present kind of a different point of view. And this is called Revolution in the Classroom by Clayton Christensen and Michael Horn, who wrote Disrupting Class, um, which is a very good book. Kind of scary if you are trying to live 10 to 20 years ago if all their predictions come true. And they talk a lot about disruptive um, innovation is really where they're coming from. And um, Disrupting Class was um, their book about education. And they take a little different point of view of this. And um, I want to go through some of this, and then I'll tell you why it is I think this is important. Um, They say that the uh, President Obama and Secretary of Education, Arnie Duncan, flagship idea for reforming education a competition among states over a total pot of $4.35 billion, known as Race to the Top Fund, is a bold move to use scarce resources to coerce states into adopting big, potentially controversial strategies for education reform. It aims to achieve four stated goals, and we've talked about these before. Develop common benchmark standards and assessments, improve the effectiveness of 
teachers and principals, use data to inform decision, and turn around the lowest performing schools. As details of the competition emerge, states vying for funds could simply opt to check off the boxes, suggest some novel-sounding strategies, and implement a few tweaks to the way things are already being done. But doing so would miss a genuine opportunity. In order to transform our factory error schools into a truly student-centric system fit for the 21st century, the fund should be used to innovate disruptively. Um, and the you know they say the best way to do that is implementing online learning, an approach that's cons- constantly improving in its ability to deliver personalized, high-quality learning experiences to students from all walks of life, regardless of geography, special needs, or socioeconomic background. Um, and then they're going to walk through the the um, basics, the four arguments, and they say is states craft their strategies in the four designated areas. They therefore should do so with a forward-thinking question in mind. How might online learning fit in? Um, and then they talk about standards and assessment, and they say that if it was truly standard across the 50 states, that it makes it easier to access more markets, online learning would be more attractive, um, which would in turn bolster competition and quality. Um, Having curriculum standards that are specific and measurable and predictable would make it possible, uh, would make a more student-centric model of education, educational customization. And basically they make the analogy of a light bulb that they standardize how the light bulb connects to the grid, not what's inside the light bulb, so that What's inside the light bulb can be anything that you want, and it's why the compact, the, the compact fluorescent light bulbs now coming into vogue can be used because they just plug into the old model. Um, teacher effectiveness, um, they show, you know, they go through a little bit about the highly effective teachers, the most important factor in students' learning, and they say that. If you can get basically, if you can get the best of the best of the best available for every student, they're opening up, you know, more kids getting access to those really great teachers. Um, and they point out that Georgia has 440 high schools, but only 88 qualified, highly qualified physics teachers. Um, so again, it's the getting the best teachers. Um, to do the online um, the online learning and access to them, regardless of geography. Data collection. Um, obviously, if you're doing things online, you get um, data collection becomes much easier. Um, struggling students, um, you know, they get the opportunity to uh, retake things to have some. Uh, an opportunity to work at their own pace, could put more time in, more creative tutoring. Um, and they they also talk about um, 
that this would free up schools from limiting regulations so they can be more innovative and effective. All right, so the real reasons I think that this argument is so important to talk about is a lot of times we're just critical of race to the top and not offering any other alternatives whatsoever. And I think that's one thing in education we need to get out of. We need to stop saying, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, and start offering some alternatives. So there's lots to disagree with here. Um, there's, uh, you know, going back to Alfie Kahn's argument um, from last show, um, it's an interesting juxtaposition between the two of them. But I think it's something that, as educators, we need to start looking to the future and start figuring out what it is we can do and stop just saying, no, that won't work, that won't work, that won't work, that won't work. That's what's kind of got us in the <laughs> conundrum that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, so again, I think it's a good article. It brings us some things, and it's certainly some things to think about um, and take a look at. Um, let's see now. And is there anything you want to say on that one? No, I didn't. Okay. Um, okay. Nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one more then. Um, I think we'll squeak one more in here. We have time for one more. Um, this is an article from edweek.org. It's Putting New Standards into Practice, a Tough Job uh, by Stephen Sawchuk. This, this I thought was, again, taking a look at teaching and learning and what education is providing and how it is that it can provide it. Um, it starts off with Todd Clark remembers his aha moment when Florida began rolling out the next generation of state academic content standards to its teachers in 2007. Basically, they took the standards and they spelled out far fewer sta- objectives for the teachers to reach. Concept beyond hearing this, and Clark was the state um, chief for curriculum instruction. The concept was they were tired of, of teaching, you know, an inch deep and a mile wide. So I said, okay, we're going to object. We're going to do fewer objectives and allow teachers to really teach with depth, to allow kids to really understand what's happening. And a fifth grade teacher came up and said, "Quote, Mr. Clark, I can cover all these objectives by December." <laughs> And he recalls the way she saw it is there was only enough material for her to cover half a year. Um, And the article talks a lot about change and how difficult it is for teachers to change. Um, You know, we've, we've got pretty ingrained us into us what education is. We went through the system, you know, the system worked for us and, so there's still a lot of teachers that are kind of resistant to making that adjustment. There's a lot that aren't. There's a lot that realize we need to make some differences and do some things differently. Um, but it is uh, it is something that I think we need to be and we need to be aware of and um, um, be cognizant of making those changes. So. It's kind of an interesting uh, 
proactive stance by Florida. I mean, a lot of a lot of places want to pack more in, and especially pack from the top down, push mm-hmm. more down to lower grades. That's that's a pretty proactive stance to take. Is all right. So let's let's prune and give the teachers opportunity to go and students an opportunity to go deeper into it. I, I think they're going to see um, better results out of it. I think the FCAT scores should go. This is just a hunch, but I would think that they would go up because of this. Well, yeah. Yeah, and the article really focuses around um, focuses around setting those standards, setting that curriculum, um, because one of the things they go on to talk about is they go on to talk about providing model activities and model instructional standards, and... Um, and they talk about the danger of that, that that become something that's prescriptive rather than an exemplar. So it's the danger of becoming, okay, just tell me what I want to do. <laughs> tell me what I need to do. And our state's saying, no, this is, what, this is the page you need to be on. This is how you need to do it. Um, and uh, it, it's it's... It is a – it's an important discussion. And I, I like that they acknowledge standards are just words. Deep down, people know that right now it's not the standards that are the drivers in the classroom. And I think that's right. I mean, you know, we talk a lot about the book not being the curriculum. But in many, many classes, the book is the curriculum. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, the reality is the book is the curriculum. So. Did you get a chance to play with the uh, surveys of an active curriculum site? I. It's linked in the article. I did not. Um, it's a, this looks very interesting where teachers have a chance to report back to the uh, um, the state superintendent what's, what, what's being taught, where they're, how their alignment is coming along with the standards uh, to their curriculum. Uh, it's a nice feedback tool. Mm-hmm just from what I've been able to play with here from for the past few minutes here. But that, that's an interesting interesting because most state ministries aren't really interested in what teachers have to say or think. They're 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 used to just issuing it, no go do it. So mm-hmm. this, I don't know if this is gonna be like a, you know, tell on your district type of site. I certainly hope it's not, but Well and and I would say that in general district you know, states don't just tell teachers what to do. In general, states bring together a select number of teachers and the teachers help to write the standards and and it's it's how well that man, that process is managed and who it is that shows up, which teachers are the ones who who um volunteer to do those kinds of things that makes a big difference. Um you know, so it's not generally just somebody sitting in the room by themselves making all this up, it usually does actually come from teachers, but then it goes through the it goes through the wash kind of thing and, you know, it can get so that there are you know, in some places there are three hundred and seventy standards mm-hmm. that you're supposed mm-hmm. to be covering. And if you're covering 370 standards, you're not teaching too much. You're covering mm-hmm. 370 standards because that comes down to, like, um, you know, in most places it's two or three standards per day, which is, you know, it's not going to happen. Um, 
And the article also talks, talks a little bit about the um, the possibility of you know working into national standards and how that occurs as well. So certainly um, take a look about it. And another thing that they do talk about is they talk about um, standardized testing. Um, and I like this quote as well. The predominantly multiple choice assessments often don't align with standards, in part because they aren't well suited to measure higher order cr- critical thinking skills. And I think that's true. I think a lot of the standards are starting to be written for higher order critical thinking skills, and our tests tend to be tend to be they are they're multiple choice tests, and in. You know, some of the testing people will tell you, yes, the multiple choice test can test the higher order thinking skills because blah, 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 blah. But I'm not convinced that um, that works real well. So, and they talk about um, consortia, you know, four states have collaborated on exams for accountability um, purposes in the New England Common Assessment Program, um, which they've produced a common test for Algebra 2. Um, but it's a political question. Um, you know, so uh, it's, a, it's a good article, and, and it, it's something to think about. Um, I also like the response. There's some of the there's uh, some comments that follow, and the first one is um, hard to believe we're still having this debate. <laughs> um, you know, but but we are, and we have to until we can get through to what comes. You know, uh, really applying this and really making change. And that's one reason that I wanted to talk about the um, the revolution article from in the classroom from Christensen and, and Horn is because education needs to figure out what do we need to change. Either we change or someone is going to tell us how we're going to change. And right now we've been in the era of somebody telling us how we're going to change. And I think it would be better if we would take control of that. To do that, we have to be involved. All right, and we would love to hear from our listeners. Where could our listeners get in contact with us, John? Well, they, they should contact us at middleschooleducators at gmail.com. That's middleschooleducators at gmail.com. Or they could post a comment over on the website at middleschoolmatters.com. And we really do appreciate when folks do post over there, too. We read the we emails, do. and we also watch the website to make sure that you know, we're catching all those comments that folks are posting, and, and we really appreciate those. Uh, they can find us on Facebook. They can find us on uh, Twitter at MS Matters. And, um, I, I, you know, that's I think that's about covers it for his uh, contact points. I think it does. Um, and we really do hope to hear from you. Um, the only one that I would add in, is again, is the, um, the iTunes comments and reviews. We really appreciate those mm-hmm. as well. Um, but we look forward to hearing from you. It really does make a difference for us because... It does. <laughs> it then makes it, and uh, that we're just uh, Sean and I are talking, but that uh, you know, there's a, a whole conversation, um, and we'd appreciate it if you just take a moment to 
head over to the website and, and submit a comment or send us an email. All right, with that, this is Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care. <laughs>